Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 86 of Dean Discussions, a podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my honor among thieves, Ben Bumhoffer. Oh, you didn't write that one down. Everybody can tell. <laughs> nope. No, I didn't. That's but okay. The D&D movie's about to come out wide release, so... Yeah, and so worth seeing too yeah we we are not being sponsored we are not being paid but we will uh take cool stuff D movie feel free mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but uh we have both seen it and uh we both thought it was absolutely fantastic yes like it it felt like a D campaign yeah like it really did i have not laughed that much at a movie in a while it was it was very genuine it was it was very fun it was very funny uh yeah, and it a was a lot of love went into it like D moments mm-hmm. like there's so much non-optimal stuff coming <laughs> 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 on that movie and it's just like oh my gosh i so feel that Exactly. I mean, like whoever DM'd that adventure has been a a very good DM and definitely rolls with the punches. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it it's good. It's good. Yeah, we'll, I, uh, we'll I, probably I, talk about it more once it's not spoilery to yeah. do so. Uh, and and after and I, if, I I see it another time too because I I really want to go again. I want to take my kind to see it and I kind of want to see it again. Yeah. Yeah, we have like we have like a cheap ticket Tuesday nights here at at some of the theaters. Mm-hmm. So usually that's like a good if you, if you want to see a movie a second time, you that's do a like way. a Tuesday night. Yeah, definitely. That's good stuff. Definitely. But yeah. we are here to talk about not movies, but games, even though the mm-hmm. movie's about a game and it, it, it makes us whatever. I, that yeah, was the yeah. worst segue I've done so far, but uh. it's it's still good. It's still good. Okay. Uh, so uh, there there is a reason this episode is a little late because I know most of the time you're used to episodes coming out on Mondays. This one's coming out a few days later. Uh, we did this on purpose because there was a D and D direct that aired on Tuesday, and we wanted to make sure that we could watch it first and cover it. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would have been multiple weeks uh, before we were able to to talk about it. So um, it was about 30 minutes long. Uh, They didn't show off a lot of book stuff, so we won't we won't linger on it too long. But they did talk about some some future stuff. So pretty much the the highlights, they announced a Dungeons and Dragons Minecraft. Yes, which actually looks kind of cool. It does. I mean, I'm I'm. You know, to tell you the truth, I've done very little with Minecraft, but seeing some of the stuff and the different like IPs that have incorporated themselves into it and everything, D&D really is a perfect thing for this. Considering mm-hmm. you're, you know, completely making the world and everything on your own anyway, then just jumping in and adding the 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 flavor of D&D and the monsters and everything to it. I think that's really cool. I'm I'm yeah. happy for for Minecraft players. Yeah. They talked about the D&D movie a little bit. They uh, have new player resources at playdnd.com where you can get a few free adventures, uh, sign up on D&D Beyond, that sort of thing. Uh, They announced some D&D like learn to play events at local game stores. Um, 
those are going to be April seven to nine. So uh, you can well have a link to the kind of the recap article on our show notes, dndiscussions.com. So you can, ch- they have a store and event locator. So you can check that out. They've got new merchandise that is coming uh, as well, uh, including a life-size baby owlbear. Which is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Uh <laughs> Uh, so, you know, just a lot of movie tie in merchandise, stuff like that. Uh, but one of the biggest things that they announced was they showed off a preview of their new virtual tabletop. that's mm-hmm. going to have some D and D beyond integration. So we got a, there's like a, a five minute video on it that you should definitely check out. Uh, it's honestly, and, and I'll let you give your impressions too, Ben, because I know you kind of kind of looked it over. It's honestly looking pretty good. Yeah. It's honestly looking pretty cool, pretty solid. Uh, we have yet to find out any of the monetization pieces of it or anything, but essentially what it's going to be is it's going to be like building blocks. Uh, it's made in Unreal Engine 5, which is actually pretty cool because there's a, a very... Very solid, very strong, uh, very expandable, very moddable engine, uh, and it's very ubiquitous. So there should be, most people should be able to um, hire people to, yeah, and jump in and and pick it up. It's known to be one of the most user-friendly engines, most moddable engines. Uh, has a lot of tool sets for it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, it does have D and D beyond integration where you can pull in like your character sheet and such. And it looks like for the most part, it's built to run most everything from inside of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's going to use kind of some of the D and D beyond stuff as a backend. Hopefully there'll be more integrations. They talked about it being, uh, like a steam like marketplace so where they'll have official content and then there'll be stuff users can add and i assume uh third party stuff as well that they could uh sell or or give away they didn't talk about that a ton but they just made it known that it will be there yeah so one of the I, things they specifically said is uh, they'll, you know, be creating things and then users will try to, you know, one up them, which means that, you know, wizards will try to one up the users. So, I mean, yep. it's it's a great way to get some really good stuff. Yeah. It sounded like they were going to try and launch with all the monster manual mm-hmm. content as far as monsters go. Uh, and then all the rule set, at least from the player's handbook. Uh, it looked like they had spells that had animations. Um, they had some, even some monster animations. They had, uh, they said they want all the rule set to be in there. So it's very intuitive and very, very easy to use. Uh, it, it's a very strong start for sure. Yes. Um, it looks, it looks very, very usable. They said they will start testing it or allowing people to test it later this year. So I'm very interested in that. They didn't talk about the monetization really at all. My, my hope or ideally, ideally my hope is that it would either come with your D and D beyond subscription or that the 
base level of it would be free. And then only the DM has to purchase the content. So like I buy X module or I buy X monster book or whatever. And then my players can jump in and use my stuff essentially. Yeah. I would assume that they're going to follow along with basically the way that D and D beyond works right now, which is as long as someone owns the content and they can share with the entire, you know, uh, campaign. So like for right now, I, I have all the different books on D and D beyond and I share with uh, my campaign um, with our uh, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden campaign and I think one other one right now. And because of that, the players in those campaigns are able to have access to everything. So hopefully with like, you know, the the different 3D monsters and, and everything else that's involved with that, um, it'll kind of be along the same lines. Um, one other thing that's really cool that I think is neat is not only are they going to have, you know, like the three dimensional um look of the maps and everything, but you can also still import 2d maps and just play right on the, on there with the tokens and everything too. So if you don't have, uh, uh, you know, something that's all 3d kitted out and everything, you can still just throw it. Like it's a, a you know, virtual tabletop, put your characters on there, move stuff around, do things and everything. And yeah. I think that's the rules. Engine. Exactly. Still gives you yeah. like that much versatility to it as well. So you don't have to feel the, like the pressure to, you know, mod out, you know, this, the whole huge dungeon in 3d or something along those lines. And, uh, I am actually really excited about that. Um, another thing too, is that of course the, uh, the DM will be able to control, you know, kind of what the players see. Um, so it's not just going to be automatically, Oh, well this monster has 23 hit points left. It's like, you'll still be able to control all that, you know, kind of on your own. And then even more so, um, you can have as much autom or at least from what they're saying is you can have as much automation in there that you want. So, you know, you cast a fireball, you can have, um, you know, the, the program roll the damage roll to hit, you know, do everything like that, or you can still do it manually, which is something that I'm really happy about because personally I like to roll my dice. Just a lot more fun for me that way. Great. Rolling dice, rolling dice is fun. I, I'm hoping, like I said, I'm hoping this will, really integrate into D&D Beyond, either, you know, sharing the subscription or sharing sharing the marketplace and making things um, dually accessible. Like, I'm hoping this will, especially with, you know, the, the mod style or the Steam-like mm-hmm. store, Steam-like workshop or whatever, I'm hoping this will open up D&D Beyond to third parties That'd be at great. the same time. So where we could see MCDM, Kobold Press, uh, 2C Gaming, uh, hit point press ghost fire gaming all these all these third party places put their content into D beyond and have it usable in D beyond and then potentially even then add a virtual tabletop module of their stuff with it that'd be great that's that's that would be that would be the most ideal i think overall yeah but but yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes yeah from what they showed it's it's pretty great um, they're slowly opening up more and more. And, uh, the goal is to have uh, kind of like a, um, I don't know if, if it was like a closed beta or an open beta or something, but they kind of want to have it, but hopefully by fourth quarter, if I remember correctly, kind of like in our hands to kind of play with it and, and test it out and everything as well. Uh, and if that happens, that's great. I am, I'm looking forward to that. And that means that it's a lot further along than we originally thought. Yeah, I will. I will happily, happily test it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> give, and give the feedback for sure. Yeah. 
Um, and, and yeah, they are also talking about, you know, having building blocks and stuff as well. So you will be able to create your own things as well as use like the maps that come with it. So, and I think, and I think the plan is uh, ideally that as the new like adventures come out, they will have those pre-built adventures that you can buy for it. I believe so, so all of that will be fully built out with the monsters and the battle maps and everything. I, I, at least that's, that seems like it's their ultimate goal. So if they can actually get to that point, that'd be pretty dang cool for mm-hmm. sure. Having pre-built stuff like that, running the adventures, um, kind of like getting it like on roll 20 right now where it comes with all the, the maps and stuff. Mm-hmm. But in this case in full 3d, should be pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And then finally, the other really big thing, they ended the D&D Direct on what's coming in 2023 and reiterated uh, there's four more books uh, beyond uh, what was uh, um, Golden Key. Key. uh, Yeah. The one that just came out that I'm... (laughs) I'll get the the actual four. I'm having a brain fart on. Yes. Uh... Uh, Yeah, keys from the golden vault. Yeah, keys from the golden vault. Yeah, yeah, brain fart. Uh, there's going to be four more books. Uh, two of them are going to be coming in Q3, and that the first, uh, the first two in Q3 being Big B presents Glory of the Giants, which is a kind of a source book for giants. Yeah, I think expands like the, the origin dragon book. Inter- introduces new player exactly just like fizz bands introduces new player options offers all the tools you need to run your own giant size adventures uh and then a new adventure called fandelver and below the shattered obelisk uh time and again obelisks have cropped up in DD adventures and now one has been discovered near fandolin we return to the town as a mysterious obelisk releases monstrous threats from beneath the earth and so this is i think a direct sequel to um the uh the minds starter of adventure yeah. yeah yeah uh so that's pretty cool that there's gonna be an official like uh sequel to that and then in q4 we have planescape adventures in the multiverse discover sigil a city where everyone and everything comes together when you find a realm of wild and weird planes to explore and in the book sets up our major adventure in 2024 so this is going to be a source book for Planescape. Uh, so hopefully that will be really cool. I know a lot of people are very excited mm-hmm. about Planescape, uh, the Lady of Pain, uh, and all the different things. So this could potentially be a very thick book. <laughs> as as I've heard, uh, Planescape is a very large uh, source material. Uh, and then finally in Q4, the book of many things for the first time, we're exploring the story behind the campaign rocking deck of many things. It doesn't, that doesn't say a lot. I, I guess it kind of sounds like it's going to be an adventure. I would think so from, uh, you know, just the, the bare minimum that they dropped. I, I would think that it's either you're like going through kind of either maybe creating one or uh, finding out the origins of it or fighting against something like that. I don't know. It, there's a lot that they can do with it. So I'm, I'm very curious to see which way they're going to go. Yeah. I I'm leaning towards it's probably uh, a second or another adventure book. Yeah. Cause you basically, we've got kind of our rulesy type book with Big B presents 
and then we've got the source book with Planescape. And then we basically have three adventures. You've got the kind of anthology with Golden Vault uh, and then a sequel to the mines and then potentially this book of many things. It's another adventure. Yeah, makes sense. So so, yeah, I'm interested in that. And then they also talked a little bit about the future. Uh, they Tiny said a little bit, but in 2024, uh, the 50th anniversary of D&D, uh, Vecna is going to come front and center as a big villain. And this is probably what the tease of the Planescape adventure will be. Um, as well as they tease that uh, the Red Wizards of Thay, who are in the Dungeons and Dragons movie, are going to feature prominently as villains in an adventure in 2025. <laughs> so little tease for 2024 and 2025, uh, but it sounds like they're really planning ahead quite a bit. And they're trying to t- do a lot more, um, I guess, MCU like. <laughs> things and tying stories together and like having connected overall broader stories, which I'm okay with. I'm okay with, you know what? I love the MCU. I love what they've done and connected everything. And, uh, I'm all for D and D just kind of embracing, uh, being all, you know, the weird things that it can be and the cool things it can be. And just, uh, overall just having some fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Overall, uh, they not not a ton of stuff on the new D and D books per se. The the virtual tabletop was certainly a tease and plays into Dungeons and Dragons proper uh, very strongly, especially if you are a, an online only group mm-hmm. um, like mine. Yep. So that's so that's certainly a big thing. But they did say that there is going to be another kind of presentation type thing later on that will be more focused on the tabletop um, piece of D&D itself. So we will make sure to cover that when it comes out. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. So next uh, we've had, I've had this, this request from a few different people and I was talking it over with Ben and we're like, this is, this is probably a good time to talk about this. Uh, We wanted to talk a little bit on the topic of speeding up combat both as a DM and a player because uh, there's a lot of different things you can do. And there's a lot of ways that combat can get slowed down as the old adage goes, you know, uh, in D and D you can do say, well, you're traveling, you can do several hours in a few minutes or in combat, you can do several minutes or in this Several case, seconds maybe 30, 30 seconds in a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and it, it is very true. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit and we'll, we'll start from the DM side. So, so Ben, how do you as a DM speed up combat? Well, um, a couple things. I mean, first of all, I'm uh, and, and this came from, way back when I DM'd fourth edition and then, you know, I kind of learned my lesson on it, move forward to fifth edition. And one of the big things is just the, the simplest rule of, Hey, don't be doing other stuff in combat. Pay attention. I mean, just the, the, the tiniest little rule. And I know you may seem like, Oh, you're kind of being a jerk. Cause they're not doing anything, 
but they are. They're supposed to be observing, plotting, figuring things out. And it, it really lets the players kind of, you know, engage fully in what's going on, as well as, you know, cheer on their buddies, know if someone's actually taking a lot of damage and getting hurt. And, and you know, just a simple thing, a simple thing like that. But um, another thing I do, and I totally stole this from Matt Mercer, is that uh, whenever someone's turn is up, I say, hey, it's so and so with you next. So that's, you know, you kind of call attention to the person who maybe they were just kind of looking off into space, which that does happen. Um, But, you know, it'll kind of get the focus back in, see what's going on and, you know, give you a little bit more time to really kind of focus in, figure out what you're going to do, and then just be able to jump in right away when it's your turn. Um, I especially make sure that I call it out when, you know, a caster is coming up because depending on what happened in, you know, the entire previous round, what they were planning on doing might have changed completely based on whatever spell they had chosen or what they were going to do. Monsters might've moved out of position. So that lightning bolt might not work. Um, you know, uh, maybe someone took a whole lot of damage and they need to heal instead of like doing a, a huge fireball over in this area over here. I mean, there's a lot of different things to do. So calling out the order of, of you know, who's up, who's next, what's going on really seems to help out, uh, help speed things up a lot for me at least. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's a super good idea. Doing the, uh, you're next with you on deck mm-hmm. type things is uh, incredibly helpful because hopefully that will at least key in the player if they weren't paying attention or if it's been a while since their their last turn that okay i need to need to get ready for my my turn that's coming um we did talk about in a previous episode not too long ago about uh giving items or things to do that as people's reactions mm-hmm. uh that can help engage players more during the whole of combat because they're looking to where they might be able to help. Uh, So that is one thing you can do to help keep people engaged is making sure that their characters have reactions they can do beyond just like attack of opportunity (laughs) type type stuff. Um, Because if you're, if you are engaged, you will be ready to go and uh, more likely to, make quicker decisions yes um one thing too as a dm uh that i try and do is it's fun to narrate attacks it's fun to narrate what happens uh when attacks happen uh but i've i found over time that it's good to limit that in certain points too because sometimes it can just be too much or unnecessary, uh, especially for things that are just kind of run of the mill. I hit with a sword. I shoot with with a bow. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those things, all they warrant is uh, that was a nice hit or uh, that was a solid hit um, or that was a good shot. Uh, one thing you can do, too, is wait until the player has done their full range or barrage of attacks before you describe anything so instead of describing after each individual thing the player does you wait until the player's turn is finished then you can quickly go the you know the arrow both the arrows hit 
uh, super heart. Oh, you see uh, them bleeding from their chest or uh, you see them get knocked down or, you know, whatever description it might be. Um, but that can save some time too, instead of interrupting the flow every single time between, especially once you get mid to high level parties between multi attacks uh, or between multiple things that a player might be able to do yeah. on their turn. That is especially good when you're dealing with fighters and monks because they have turns that can last 20 minutes if they uh, really kind of go all out in, in uh, a single round. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 wild <laughs> how how much they can do on their like nuke nuke turns mm -hmm. and whatnot. So, yeah, that's uh, saving descriptions for the end uh, can definitely be a big time saver, but still allow you to get that narrative flavor in uh, that can add a lot to combat, which otherwise might be just very mechanical. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, one other thing too, and this works for both players and DMS is, uh, when you're rolling to hits, go ahead and roll your damage dice at the same time. Um, you know, it's not going to really affect anything if, you know, you roll out your damage dice and you don't hit, it's just, it, it's that extra step for when you do hit that you don't need to take the time on it. Cause you have all your information right there of what you need. Uh, so this includes like anything with like sneak attack, uh, spells, uh, anything along those lines, especially if um, you're a caster and you're doing something where, um, you know, uh, on a fail, like say for a saving throw on a fail, you take so-and-so damage. If on a success, you take half that damage. You have all that all set up and ready to go while the DM is, you know, rolling to see, you know, who actually passes and, and everything like that. Uh, so anytime you can combine, you know, any sort of dice rolls together, it's just going to save time. And you may think, oh, well, that's only like, you know, another 20 seconds of, of dice rolling or whatever, but add that into, you know, every single person's turn and every single random combat, you're going to save yourself maybe about 15 minutes. Yeah. And the, to your point, uh, and you could do this, especially uh, on on enemies where, you know, you're not going to kill them this mm -hmm. round or they're they're fairly tough or they're fresh. You can even roll all your attacks at the same time. Yeah. Just roll like if you've got three multi attacks, then uh, and this th this doesn't necessarily work if you have like one attack that does a bunch of extra stuff. If you if you have that, maybe it's easier to roll that one separately. But if you have attacks that are going to do the same thing. Roll them together especially on uh, a monster that is fairly fresh or, you know, is going to be fairly tough. Say I'm a fighter. I have four attacks. Uh, they're all going to do roughly the same, the same thing. Um, I might add in like a superiority dice here or there, but just, I roll four D twenties and then I just kind of set them up and then I go, you know, 18, 12, 21, 19. And DM goes three of those hit. And then, okay, first one does this. Second one does yeah. this. Third one does this. So that can, that can save a little bit of time as well. Yeah. Um, and one other thing too, and th this actually involves a lot of trust is when it's not even your turn, if you know, and are locked in on what you're going to do, roll the dice. 
and then go with whatever is there. But again, this, this is something that you definitely need to talk to your DM or uh, about, um, just to see that they're okay with it so that you're not just sitting there, you know, constantly rolling until you get a good number. Uh, I'm not saying, of course, our listeners would never do that. They would never cheat like that, but you know, some DMS out there, I'm sure that you've come across players who will do things like that, where, you know, they want to get the optimal hit in there. So it really kind of comes down to, you know, how comfortable you are with your players. Um, if you're, you know, just going to like adventure club or something like that, um, you know, at, at like a game store, you're just jumping in, probably not going to work. But uh, if you're, you know, you're in a group that you've been playing with for like years, you know, you've built that, that trust. You can do that. So like, you know, when there's two more people ahead of me and I'm like, well, this thing's not going to die in that time. I know that I'm going to attack with this, roll everything out and have it all set up and say, Hey, this is what I rolled. This is what I did. Boom. Get that yeah. taken care of. Yeah. And this is, and this is not uh, something I necessarily do, but for times when you're very time constrained uh, as a DM, if you say are running like a local event, or something like that or you know crap i've only got two hours with this group and we need to get through combat mm -hmm. you can you can pre-roll your enemy attacks and write them down like i know what enemies they're gonna fight i've got my little list my little notepad whatever i'm gonna roll five d20s and just write them down and then just use them in a row. Yeah. And those are the attacks because it's, it's completely legitimate. You rolled them and it just saves you the time of having to roll and figure it out in the moment. So that can be a time saving thing that you can do beforehand, uh, especially if you're very time constrained. Uh, one other thing you can do if you're time constrained, use average damage. Yeah. All the stat blocks have average damage for a reason. Um, it's not necessarily quite as fun because I know you love to roll the little clickety clacks. Oh, yeah. But it can save a ton of time if you use the average damage. Uh, and so that's I'm not necessarily saying do it all the time. Uh, I've done it a handful of times, uh, but you have that as an option if you want to speed things up, because that will certainly speed up on your side of the table. Yeah. Um, and two other things. First one, uh, let's say you are fighting an, or you're, uh, you know, DMing a dragon and they do their, bre their breath weapon. You need to roll 12 D12s. Well, you could roll 12 D12s or if you just happen to have like the encounter builder from D&D Beyond up, you just click on that 12 D12. It'll roll everything for you. Do all the math for you. You don't have to do a darn thing other than that. Saves I've you definitely a done lot that of time. <laughs> yeah. Anytime that the high like, dice stuff, like more than like two or three, I'm just like, we're clicking this. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah, it all... does the math for you. Oh yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's a lot love of adding so to you. Um, but then last but not least, I mean, if you really need to just set up a timer, you know, just let everybody know when your turn starts, you know, if it starts getting long, I'm going to give you a 30 seconds. And then if you don't decide what you're doing in that time, you're standing there confused as to what's going on in combat. We move on to the next character. I mean, if it gets that bad at your table that you really need to do something along those lines, then, you know, you, you need to kind of set some hard limits. Um, you know, everybody's going to take some time trying to figure out what to do, especially with the flow of combat changing as much as it does. 
but you know, you can only give people enough time to the point where it's like, okay, I don't want this combat to last an hour. It should be done in 20 minutes tops. Everybody's not paying attention. Everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. Then when it's their turn, then they look at everything that's going on and seeing what's up. We're just going to start limiting how much time they actually get. But that's if, you know, they're just really not cooperating. Or you have very indecisive people that need that, that, that butt. type of, yeah, that type of timer. Yeah. Um, or okay, what just is, to have oh, something really crazy happen, like say you're in an arena, and you know as as the time goes on, certain parts of the floor catch fire. I know someone who did something similar to that, and it tended to work out really well for him. It did. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> but you can't. Make I think that I actually talk encounter. about that on an episode long ago and far away, like episode four or something like yeah. that. Probably. Yeah, it was. It was probably one of the very early ones. Uh, that was yeah, really fun, really fun. Uh, okay. What about, uh, what about player side? What could, what could we as players do to help speed things up? And I've got, I've got one really, really good idea. Cause one of my players, uh, in one of my games actually uses this, uh, because she has a Ranger rogue hybrid. Oh, okay. and there's a, a gloom stalker and, um, there is a ton of stuff that goes into it, especially on the first turn that could happen. Um, one of the things she uses to help is a cheat sheet where she basically lays out the dice for what the first attack uh, looks like and then and so and so and, and beyond. So that's uh, that's a thing that can really help speed up if you make yourself a little cheat sheet on what all your character can do, especially if you're like a martial type mm-hmm. character, you're not casting a spell. Uh, what all things can you do? You don't even need to necessarily go that hardcore. You could basically just make a list of uh, attack, uh, can use a superiority dice, um, add plus two for rage, you know, those those types yeah. of things. But having a little list that you can quickly get Lance at and look through and then add to it as your character levels can help speed things up a lot and make it so you don't forget stuff or you're not, you know, 30 seconds or a minute later going, Oh, DM, I, I need you to add two more damage. Cause I yeah. forgot to add my rage or, and then, then doing stuff like that can break the flow of combat and kind of throw people off or kind of stall things or whatnot. So the the more you can do as a player to keep from having to do that is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff that I've already talked about for DMing goes along with the players as well. Again, you know, like rolling your uh, damage dice at the same time as your tax and you know and things like that. Um, but I, I kind of touched on it a little bit before, but I'm I'm really looking at it from the player's perspective on this, and that is really pay attention. Like I cannot say that enough, pay attention to everything that's going on when we're doing plus five to hit, and we're in combat. There's what five people in the party or whatever. Um, as the party goes on, I have an idea of what I'm going to do and I keep watching and then I know what I want to do. I have my secondary idea of what I want to do set up and ready to go so that I know, okay, if you know, these conditions are met, I know, I'm, I know exactly what I'm going to do right away. And then 
it rarely happens. It has, and I've gotten very stumped, but if it comes to the third of, okay, conditions were met, we need to move and change to something else. Conditions were met, need to change to something to a third thing. You know, try to have just a couple plans of attack ready to go. Um, and it, it only helps speed things up on your turn. You don't feel like you're contributing to any sort of slowness. And it also makes you really confident in the move that you're going to make because you're thinking about it this entire time. So you go in there, I'm going to attack, going to do this. Of course, it stings a little bit more when you miss, but at least you miss with confidence when that happens. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a lot of that, goes back to what we talked about again a few episodes uh ago maximizing your turn and as a dm helping your players to maximize their turns so that hopefully they're always able to do at least a little bit of something mm -hmm. uh, but that kind of goes along with this because missing is not quite as bad if you don't have to wait 15 or 20 minutes until yeah. the next time you can act if you miss and then you only have to wait five or six minutes, it's not quite as bad as <laughs> missing and then going, well, I'm out for, <laughs> for a little while now. So, uh, yeah, just a, a, a combination of these things together can really just help make for a better experience mm -hmm. for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Going back to when I was damning fourth edition, yeah, when someone would miss, it was absolutely horrible because, again, people are looking at Facebook while we're in combat, so they wouldn't be paying attention and, and everything like that. And it just it, it turned out to be not fun to the point where it's like, I didn't want to run any combat because no one was having a good time with it. But you know what? Things have changed. Things are very different these days. And uh, everybody seems to enjoy the combat for the most part. Yeah, that's that's great. And I. And that's that's one of the things too. I and I've noticed when you're playing with an online only group, it is there is much a much higher threshold of distractibility. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to become distracted. I I get like that sometimes. Like this is this is me talking. Like I'm I'm calling myself out. I sometimes get distracted when when doing online stuff. It is just easier to get distracted online than it is in person. Mm -hmm. Very true. It just, it just totally is. It's a different, it's a different energy. It's a different feel. Um, so one of the things you can do uh, to help with that is say, close all other tabs <laughs> besides DD beyond. If you're, if that's what you're, what you're using. Um, or if you need to, while you're playing online, uh, print out your character sheet and use it there. If, if the, the web browser or whatever is, is too much of a, of a distraction, um, keeping everything, but the game resources closed can be, can be helpful too. But again, it's, I think it's just a human nature yeah. thing, honestly, when it's just like, Oh, I'm not doing anything or it's not my turn or I'm not involved with this. It's, it's Mind easier wonders. to become. Yeah. Yeah. Mind wanders. Uh, it's, it's like I said, it's a different, different energy, but, yeah. and, uh, and there's only so much you can do. And another like, way to combat that too is, and it depends on the table that you're at, but, um, sometimes during combat there, some groups really like to do a lot of table talk and really strategize together during combat. 
to, you know, kind of, you know, work through things like, oh, well, um, if I hit him with this blind, you'll be able to, you know, get advantage on that. And then if you run over here, we can flank them. And, um, you know, depending on the table, depending how it goes, that is an option as well. And then it keeps everybody kind of involved in combat. Um, I am kind of more of a fan of not having as much table talk, but I mean, when you're talking or going up against like a big bad or, or something like that, I'm all for it because, you know, there's stuff you got to kind of strategize, you know, before the battle and things like that. But when it comes down to just, you know, oh, we're finding some bandits, you probably don't need to worry too much about, you know, keeping everybody included in that discussion. Yeah. I think I, I encourage that to a point. Yes. I, I think I, I that's what I would say on that. I encourage it to a point. There gets there gets to be there gets to be a, a moment a, like a time when I'll probably cut people off and go, okay, remember this is six seconds. <laughs> yes. And so, sometimes uh, sometimes it is true. It's just like you do have a mental link. So I'll give you a little more leeway because your characters are telepathically linked because that is that's totally a thing. However, if they're not, especially <laughs> uh, like you said, that kind of stuff keeps people involved. And, and I really encourage it to a point. But there there is also a point where I will probably say, OK, this is still six seconds. You got to do something. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, too, if there is a lot of table talk going and strategizing, it's very easy for one person to turn into the battle master and kind of tell people what to do on their turn. And that's something you definitely want to avoid and, and yes. stay away from. So like I yes. said, th there are upsides where you can keep everybody involved and they can kind of have like a quick, quick discussion. Then there are actually a lot of downsides. So it's a, it's, it's a really fine line if you do something along those lines. Yeah. At the end of the day, make sure you are not making people's decisions for them. Yes. That's the biggest thing you do not want to or you should not be trying to control other people's characters. Very much so. Um, uh, that is that's a great point because that's a that's a great uh, that's a it's an easy trap to fall into, especially if you have that type of personality, which, again, is not a bad thing. But in the moment, especially. You don't want to override other people's decision-making and what they do with their characters. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's some, that's some tips for speeding on combat as a DM, as a player, feel free to try them out, implement them. Uh, ben and I use several of the things mm -hmm. that we we've talked about. In fact, I've used most of them. I don't use them all the time. There are some times when uh, drama is necessary. There are some times when time is not really as restricted uh, and you can let things play out more. Uh, and then there are times when things are very restricted and you have to use every trick in the book <laughs> to mm -hmm. make sure that you get through stuff in a timely manner. So exactly. just kind of judge, judge for yourself uh, which things are helpful in what situations. All right. Uh, We've got a few supplemental talking points uh, before we go to our community content shout outs. The first one being that uh, the survey is out for the 1D&D &D Unearthed Arcana for the Druid and the Paladin. And I believe 
Don't quote me on this, but I believe it is open until April 10th. Last, last I saw. So you still got some time, um, but not a ton of time. And this is, uh, and these are very, very good to give feedback to as, as that's the most direct way to give feedback to the team uh, versus talking on a podcast or, <laughs> or talking about it on social media or writing a blog post or something, which uh, they did say they try to look at those and they try to read those, but the most direct, easiest way to do it is through the surveys. Exactly. So if you have thoughts or feelings, make sure your feedback is constructive, um, but go check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes uh, on dndiscussions.com. So you can fill out that survey. Yep. And as uh, I, I quote, you have till April 10th, unquote, by Ryan. Yeah, I'm sure and that's that's the hard <laughs> factual thing. Oh, God, I hope I'm not wrong. The, the whole point is, is do it sooner rather than later. If you want to get your feedback in. Yep. Yep. Uh, it took me like. 15, 20 minutes to do. I did mine uh, a day or two ago. So uh, definitely check that out if you want to leave feedback. Uh, secondly, we have a listener question that ha- uh, came in that we wanted to talk a little bit about. This one was from Jasper. And Jasper asked, uh, I have a question uh, for you both. How do you guys handle components? So this would be like spell components or components uh, for rituals or that sort of thing. Uh, Do you kind of ignore them? If you do use them, how do you guide your players to the components? Do you only use them in campaigns and not one shots, et cetera? Uh, So this is a very good question. Uh, And this is one I've heard uh, asked a lot. So there's there's a few different things um, that you can do with components. So first off, uh, a lot of components are flavor in a lot of ways. So let's take uh, the wizard, for example. You have uh, multiple items. You have a component pouch that your wizard can have, and that contains all the basic components that you'd use to cast spells. Uh, You can also have an arcane focus that basically replaces a component pouch and makes it so you don't need those base level components. So it's more, honestly, RP flavor, more than anything for all the basic stuff. Now, there are some components with a gold cost. Mm -hmm. Um, Normally, what I do is I will hand wave it if it's under 25 gold, I will hand wave it as something that you can just have or just get. If it's something that is 25 gold or more, I will usually either make you pay the gold cost, make them pay the gold cost. If it's an item that would probably be fairly common to get or have, or you can even role play that at a shop or something if you mm-hmm. if you really want to do that um but I'll, I'll normally do something like that uh but for the most part especially if it's got a gold cost i try to make it so that those expensive components are still 
accessible at places like cities or things you can buy because I don't think it's super fun as a DM to limit the players spells <laughs> that they can, <laughs> that they can pick just because of a component, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they have the gold to pay for it, then I want to make that fairly readily available to them so that they can, they can use it. Yeah. I mean, there might be certain specific circumstances where uh, something might be a little more rare or something like that. But normally overall, like I said, hand wave, usually hand wave anything under 25 gold for me. And then in that, that smaller range, 25 to hundred, 150, something like that. I'll just assume you can find the item and just make you pay the gold cost. And then for the bigger ones, I usually have them go shopping at a, a bigger place but I don't make it super hard to find either. If it's a component for like an actual spell that you would just learn as like a wizard or sorcerer or a cleric or something like that. That's usually how I, I handle it. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Is that, um, it's similar. You know, it's one of those things where definitely if it's like a lower level spell and it's like, Oh, you need some soot or some bat guano or something like that. It's like, I don't, I don't care. You know, um, if you have an arcane focus of some sort, you don't need those components. If you have, you know, a, a component pouch, it, it has that stuff in there. I'm, I don't really, I don't care. Um, where I do start caring is when, you know, it is using consumables, you know, um, like, uh, find familiar, you know, you need to have like a certain amount of incense and like a, a brazier and stuff in order to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, you do need to buy that incense because it's consumed. Um, if it's a really expensive item or like, uh, say revivify or, you know, any sort of like life returnal thing, they need to have those diamonds. Otherwise it's not going to work unless they happen to have a really cool um, artifact hammer that gives them one free uh, rejuvenation. And then, you know, no diamonds needed on that first one. So it's cool, but that's a special circumstance. And I made something specifically for that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Revivify. That's what it is. Okay. (laughs) Anyways. So, um, uh, but yeah, like resurrection stuff, like, yeah, it's like, if it requires a, a thousand gold diamonds, I'm not just going to kind of hand wave that off. It's a high level spell. It requires a really expensive thing for a reason. Um, it's just like uh, if you watched uh, the the first campaign, the Vox Machina campaign of Critical Role, um, they started using Heroes Feasts left and right. And that has, if I remember correctly, I think it's a 1000 gold worth like uh, chalice, jeweled chalice. Yeah. yeah. And they're just like, you know, just doing it over and over again. to the point where Matt's finding like, you need to buy these chalices. You need to find them in cities and actually buy them from people going forward because like, you know, he couldn't just hand wave the money at, at a certain point. Um, you know, so, so for something similar to like that, yeah, I, I'm going to require them to, you know, actually buy something from the town, you know, when it's a component like that. And, like you were saying, it, it all really does come down entirely to the cost of the item. You know, if it's something completely trivial, I don't care, you know, and a lot of the spell components that you can find are just kind of out in the wilderness, even, um, you know, like, Oh, I need a sprig of a tree or, you know, something like that, you know, like little things here and there. But yeah, when it comes to, you know, like some sort of gem dust or diamond dust or, or the actual stones themselves, 
or golden chalices or, you know, like a, a magical harp or, you know, whatever any of these components can be. Yeah, it's something that I'm going to require them to actually look for and purchase. And you know what? We'll have a fun RP session with it, um, because if, if they need to go to a magic shop, look, I've got two really great magic shop owners already. Um, and if it's from something else, guess what? I get to I get to play someone else because as a DM, I love to role play and I love to role play really weird people who start off with an accent and it goes away because I'm horrible at them. Or sometimes you just forget. Yeah. Or I just forget. Yeah, that does happen too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's, that's kind of how we do it. A lot of it, a lot of it is just flavor. Mm-hmm. If you really, if you want to see a well flavored component usage, uh, campaign to Liam O'Brien, uh, is very uh, component focused. Yeah, with with Caleb as as his wizard, he doesn't necessarily have to go looking for most of it. That doesn't cost anything, uh, but he uses it as flavor for when he casts the spells, and mm-hmm. he uses a component pouch versus an arcane focus. So that's that's kind of a good example of of using that just as a as a flavor thing versus using using an arcane focus and just doing it. Without yeah. And, and I'm just kind of looking at some of the, just the random um, bits of components that the sorcerer in my campaign like needs. So for like water walk, you need a piece of a cork. Okay. Whatever. If they've ever been to a bar, I bet you they have a piece of a cork. <laughs> um, but then we start looking at something like banishment. It's an item distasteful to the target. It's like, what could that be? That could really be anything. I'm not going to be like, okay, well, this person really doesn't like licorice. Do you have some licorice in there? You know, <laughs> like something like that. Like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Um, then you move down to like a wall of fire, a small piece of phosphorus. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. You can have that. But then we start looking at something like um, summon draconic spirit. This is an object with an image of a dragon engraved on it worth at least 500 gold. So at some point they had to get an item with the dragon engraved on it and it had to cost at least 500 gold. Um, the, the big thing here is that it doesn't say that that is consumed when the spell is cast. So that means once they buy it once they've got it. And then it's just that one time cost, not a big deal. Yep. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. It's good. It's funny. Cause why my sorcerer actually just recently ish purchased <laughs> one of those when, when they learned uh, the <laughs> summon draconic spirit. So I thought that was, that was pretty funny. Oh, it's a great uh, spell yeah, too. Yeah. They just, it was just a tiny little side shopping thing. Paid 500 gold and that was it. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, uh, thank you for setting in the question. Uh, we appreciate all the listener questions and we are happy to answer anything you might have, uh, Ben always <laughs> says at the end of the show, but deandiscussions at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments or stories, we love reading those. Yeah. Or any other ideas on how to speed up combat, you know? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, there's no way we covered everything. No, no. Tell us, tell us things. We want to learn things too. I like learning. Yeah. Uh, okay. So before we get into what we've been doing in our games, uh, there's a few more community content shout outs we want to do first off, uh, for those who do like the digital stuff, uh, 
starting on March 31st, D&D Beyond is going to be doing a 40% off D&D Essentials for limited time, March 31st Yay. through April 9th for 40% off for some D&D books and their digital dice. So if you don't have uh, certain books, I think they said pretty much most books and dice are included in the sale, except for the recent releases, uh, Keys from the Golden Vault and Dragonlance. Yep. But if you're looking to pick up anything else, uh, they're having a 40% off sale during those dates. So definitely check that out. Uh, Also, I wanted to shout out uh, for our community content, Loki Battle Maps. And this is a both digital and physical thing. We will have the link to Loki Battle Maps in the show notes at dndiscussions.com. They have a store on the DMs Guild where they sell a bunch of the virtual battle mats. Uh, they, they've got everything that, from rooms to wilderness to dungeons to taverns to castles, all sorts of like really great uh, virtual battle mats. But the cool thing, especially if you play in person, uh, they also have physical books, and I own several of these, and they are absolutely phenomenal. And I am jealous. And they, they're basically these uh, spiral-bound books that you can do that you can open up, and they are gridded, and they are dry erase as well. Dry slash wet erase, I believe, uh, as well. Um, and you can just open them up. And just set them down flat and then use them as an actual battle mat in lieu of taking out that big blank one and doing a bunch of drawing on it, which, you know, nothing's wrong with using one of those. But if you want to uh, have things a little more specific or add a little more art or kind of add more flavor, those types of books are extremely cool and very versatile and very useful if you play especially if you play in person a lot mm-hmm. so definitely check those out because most of the virtual dms guild ones are in actual book form as well okay so very very cool check those out yeah i'm looking at uh, some of them on dms guild right now and i'm just they're really cool. They're very detailed. I mean, it's it's pretty great. Very well made. Uh, they usually do one or two Kickstarters a year for for new stuff. Uh, so that's something that you can. I don't think they have one going on right now. They're currently in fulfillment on one, uh, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on. All righty. Well, that takes us to the end of the episode. And as always, we like to share a little bit uh, with those who like to stick around and listen uh, what's going on in our own games. So Ben, yes. uh, What happened uh, in your last session? Uh, We had people sick, so we didn't play. Well, that makes it really easy and sad. Yes. Um, We are actually going to be a whole bunch of stuff has been happening. Uh, 
it's been a, a, a minute since we played um, and we're, we're getting back together on the eighth. So uh, even in the next episode, we'll still not have played, but um, I will say that, uh, Hey, remember how they uh, randomly kind of uh, accidentally teleported to an entirely different plane than where they were heading. Um, yep, yep. Well, I've got a whole plan on uh, what's going to happen for when they get there. Cause I did a lot of prep on that and I'm excited for it to actually play. Out. Excellent. Excited to hear about it. Yeah. Um, what about you though? Cause you've had insane stuff going on in your games. Well, I, I don't think I've talked about the, uh, the big in-person session yet. Have I? No, not yet. Okay. So the, that was the last really big one. So we had, uh, an, uh, in-person session ran for roughly eight ish hours. Um, and I thought originally we were going to wrap up the whole arc because there is uh, basically um, break dad out of jail, maybe deal with kind of the mini boss that's been hanging over their heads and they've been uh, purposefully or accidentally avoiding <laughs> for, for quite a while and then go take on grandma and free the, the kingdom type type deal. Yeah, of course. Uh, Makes sense. It turned out it turned out we did not get to everything <laughs> that I thought we were going to get to. Um the uh they were able to infiltrate the manor. They were able to break dad out of jail, though uh it took it, it was a slightly more difficult than I think either they or I <laughs> had, had intended just because of the the way things went down. Uh but they were they were able to do it. They got that out. They started flying back to the city wall to go in. Uh, but unfortunately, due to how things went down inside the manor, uh, the houndmaster, who is the mini boss that had been tirelessly tracking them this whole time, ambushed them as they were trying to come back oh. into the city with very frail dad in tow. Uh, and this is where we spent <laughs> the bulk of our time, honestly, uh, all but all but two or three hours um, was spent in this, the, the, that coming combat. Wow. It was absolutely wild. It was it was uh, it was just a wild overall combat uh, that was just it was very, very serious, uh, very heavy. Uh, this was a not an easy boss. Uh, it did not have layer actions or anything, but it was a legendary type type boss. Yeah. Uh, and it came that it came prepared. There was uh, this big shadow beast it was riding. There were uh, five Shadowfell hounds that it had ready to go. And uh, it was coming to kill them. See, I mean, like, it makes was, sense. It's been tracking them for quite a while now. Yeah. Uh, and it had it had the advantage. It had the ambush. It was it was coming to kill them. Uh, it was an incredibly hard fought battle. Uh, the, there was some excellent play by all the characters from a giant uh cylinder of daylight 
from the cleric that really screwed me up on a few <laughs> of my things that needed shadows to be able to teleport and and stuff like that. So that was really good. The sorcerer uh, polymorphed frail dad into a giant ape. Oh, who, oh, who that's then, good. And uh, was able to at least in part enact a little bit of revenge and have some health. Um, and have some health. Yes. Yeah. Uh, our, our wizard, uh, who is one of the tankiest wizards, abjuration wizard, uh, one of the tankiest wizards I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, one of her favorite spells is swift wind strike, which is like a teleport, like sword slash type spell. So you like basically just zip to a bunch teleport to a bunch of different people slash them cool and then teleport to another people uh, person slash them um did some just absolutely ridiculous damage with that um the the warlock kind of keeping people like kind of this uh healing warlock combo keeping people alive doing damage the the ranger of course unleashing uh big volleys of damage uh but also uh when the warlock's concentration got broke fell several hundred feet into the waters below but then had a familiar that they were able to switch places with as part of one of their subclass things and teleport back up uh and and get some more damage off just like there's just there's so many like big moments so many big moments in that it's hard to hard to remember or name them all but this was a smart villain this mm-hmm. was not a this was not a dumb villain this was not your run of the mill like whatever you very specifically targeted people when yeah. they were doing crap <laughs> that was <laughs> messing them up uh so she eventually just like wailed on the sorcerer broke the concentration murdered murdered dad oh straight up got like 10 hit points shot him just insta killed him she downed downed the wizard downed the ranger uh I, I think she might have even downed the, the cleric went down at one point. The sorcerer was down at one point. Oh, wow. Uh, I think that the warlock is either close or might have been down at one point as well. But the, the whole thing, it was it was extremely hard fought. And and to be fair too, they were a little they They had already used some resources up, so they were not fully fresh. Yeah. When when this happened, uh, but in the end, uh, the ranger fully died. Oh, and dad was fully dead. They were able to finally finish the houndmaster off. Uh, but the houndmaster did her job. Yeah. Uh, that was mainly what he wanted to do. Thankfully, the cleric, they, they stocked up before they left to go to the shadow fell. Mm-hmm. So they still have a few revivifies left. Uh, the DC was very easy still. Cause this is the first time the ranger had fully died. Yeah. Uh, so he was able to bring her back. 
uh, and she was very willing. <laughs> <laughs> they did not. Uh, they did not bring dad back yet. They actually gentle reposed him mm-hmm. so that they would have 10 days, I believe. Yeah. Before he starts decaying. Yeah. To, to bring him back. Uh, and they're level like 13. Oh, so are, they'll be able to do it. Yeah. So they've got other resurrection magic beyond revivify that they can, they can use to bring him back later. But they didn't want to bring him back yet because they didn't know if he would actually even be willing to come mm-hmm. back yet with the state of things, uh, which was, I mean, that's, that was probably a, a decent assumption yeah. on their part. He'd been tortured for years and years and years that that, that might not be a, a world he'd want to come back to. Uh, so they went back to their, the place they were staying waiting for the, this resistance leader to contact them that night. And one of them goes, did we check and see if dad had anything tracking him? So they cast detect magic on the body and they found something that was divination magic in his head. Oh no. And it sucks because they, I know they talked about this for several sessions, checking to see if there was a tracker or something on him. And I don't know, they forgot or something in the moment, but no one did it in the moment. They dispelled it, but then they freaked out. It's like, (laughs) oh, no, what do we do? What's going on? Who knows where we are? And so on and so forth. So they decided to just burn the place down (laughs) and find somewhere else to go. So they burned the place down. They went and tried to start resting somewhere else. But they began to notice a few hours in, there's a lot of fires going on. Fires had started cropping up everywhere. And they started to put two and two together of, oh, we burned the resistance place. We didn't meet with the resistance leader, but we had talked about them setting fires as a distraction. It looks like they assumed that we wanted them to start the fires, especially because the warehouse where they were headquartered went up in flame. So now there's starting to be fires everywhere in the city, but as they start moving around to different places to try and avoid, they startly start to realize, Oh God, no one is putting these fires out. No one is coming to stop this. And it got to a whole big thing where they finally near the end of their rest ended up in the mines with a bunch of refugee type people and they came to the realization that Kathara, the, you know, the big bad mm-hmm. just let the city burn for in retribution oh, to man. the hound master getting killed. Wow. And so now they're almost partially responsible for the city burning down because of or planning or because of uh, miscalculations or whatever. So there's, there's that hanging over their heads as refugees are kind of everywhere. There's still this huge villain out there. And now they, that the, the city is basically burned 
to the ground. Oh, no. And so that's basically where we ended off. And it was such a bummer <laughs> to kind of have to end off on on that note. But it's just a yeah, actions have reactions, mm -hmm. cause and effect, those sorts of things, uh, just depending on things, decisions that were made or decisions that were not made or things that were forgotten or things that were done or not done. So it was a, it was a very fun. Uh, and I know this is a very long winded explanation because this was nine hours <laughs> worth of stuff. Uh, it was, was a lot more than normally happens in a single session, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a very, there was high highs mm -hmm. and low lows for sure. So cool. uh, the hope is we are meeting again this Saturday in hope person. Again? We will be not in person. Oh, okay. So uh, the hope is we will wrap up this huge, big uh, story arc in this next session uh, as they confront the architect of all this. And so I'm, uh, I'd love to run it in person. Can't always happen like that. I've got some really cool virtual tabletop maps and all the mechanics and stuff already planned out and everything. So I'm very excited to see what happens as this very large, long arc comes to a close. Very cool. Well, good luck. Thank you. They're going to need it. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to wish me luck. <laughs> it's fun to play smart villains. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's not something you get to do all the time. So it is, it is fun. But again, never underestimate your players. Oh, definitely not. Well, that is going to be it for this episode of Dean Discussions. Uh, but of course, as always, Ben, before we go, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached? Of course. Um, well, you know what? We had a listener email uh, earlier from Jazzy Boy. If you want to be like Jazzy Boy, go ahead and send us an email. Have uh, any questions, any comments, any uh, suggestions for, um, you know, speeding up time or speeding up time. No, that, that'd be physics. Um, speeding up combat. If you have any suggestions for that, go ahead and email those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Um, if you have something just kind of short form that you want to share with us, go ahead and send us a tweet. Uh, we are at dndiscussions on Twitter. If you're looking for Ryan specifically, you can find him. He is at tbkzord. If you're looking for me, I'm at Ben Bumhofer. Um, on top of that, guess what? If you go to plus five to hit on your podcast player of choice, you can hear us playing Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. That's right. We are on the lookout for a tower, which we entered. I don't know if that episode's up yet or not, but it, it involves towers and involves us going in and exploring and finding some cool stuff, hopefully. Um, but I, anyways, I'm looking forward to the continuation of that. So check it out. Plus five to hit. Listen to us play. It's a lot of fun. Um, this show, though, DN Discussions, every single episode that you've ever heard is on dndiscussions.com, as well as on your podcast player of choice. So if you did like this and it was your first time, check out some other episodes. We're kind of fun. We kind of know what we talk about. And overall, you know, you can hear about our stories and uh, what's going on with our campaigns. Uh, but with that, everybody, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I am looking forward to the D&D Beyond uh, Virtual Tabletop. Ryan. Hopefully you have the same number of uh, happy dreams about it as I do. 
It's been fun talking to you as always. And until next Hopefully time, Hopefully I have the same number of happy players after Saturday as I do. <laughs> well, I should say happy player characters. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but until next time, everybody, thank you very much for listening and be good to each other. Take care and we'll see you soon.